from the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you are going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. And I'm Kyle. And I am excited to be back with you guys for another week of the show. And we appreciate you guys as we are going through this series. And we realize it's a very controversial series. We realize that a lot of people have comments and thoughts about it. I continue to say, please examine your lives, examine your churches, examine in your own Bible reading time so that you know that you're in the faith. And of course, you can always jump in on the conversation at 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 248-301-2010, If you got show topic suggestions, questions, feedback, any of that stuff, you can also call that number as well. Leave us a voicemail. Say, hey, you know what? It's a little bit too long to text. I just would rather leave you guys a voicemail. You can do that as well. Don't forget to rate and review us everywhere you listen to us, especially on Apple. Please go down there and rate us. Give us five stars. And if you're feeling froggy, please go and give us a review. And also, don't forget to hit that follow button, that subscribe button, just to make sure that you don't miss any of our new shows. If you want to be a donor of the show, you can click the link that's in the show notes and you can be a monthly donor or you can do a one-time gift. That's always great. And I'm not going to give you any weird prophecies about how God's going to bless you if you give. I'm just asking (laughs) that you... I'm just telling you that it costs money for this show to be on the air and it's listener supported. So that's, that's it. There's no, you know, (laughs) there's nothing that is just, that's just the, the bottom line. Right. And so no, nothing to say there other than that, but we're excited to be back today and we're going to tackle an issue today that is specifically about wealth, money, You know, you hear a lot with these prosperity gospel preachers that in the last days, there's going to be this great wealth transfer. You hear that a lot from the NAR group, the New Apostolic Reformation, which we will talk about as well in in future episodes here in this series, but that there's just it's going to be this wealth wealth transfer. And, you know, churches have adopted these and actually a church that I used to go to years ago used to do this positive confession and you know every every service after before the service was over we would read this confession you know and it talked about finances coming into our homes and all these kind of things and it 
you know, it, it, it was all steeped in this new apostolic reformation and prosperity gospel. And so one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this issue is because, like I said in previous podcasts, I used to listen to all these guys. And to some extent, I preach some of this stuff to a certain extent, not as deep as what we hear. And when I really, really started understanding what the scripture actually said is when I just started sounding the alarm and, and started preaching in my own church against these this stuff right in the middle of a church that was friendly to this type of stuff. So needless to say, that was interesting. But when you find the truth and you know what the Bible actually says, you know, it is important that you actually teach the truth. Like, I you know, and again, we don't think we have the corner on theology, but yeah, we, we, we really need to talk about some of these very important issues. So, yeah, I, I think, especially for this show, you know, we're, we're talking about wealth and finances. I think more and more uh, Christians all over the world believe that material prosperity is the right of all Christians. I think that mm-hmm. we've, we've been taught to believe that God expects us to ask for material prosperity to we've been taught to anticipate material prosperity and anticipate it as a sure fulfillment of God's promise for us as Christians. Now, no doubt the Bible teaches us that the faithful will be blessed by God. There's, there's no Mm -hmm. doubt that the Bible teaches that, but Mm -hmm. does that blessing necessarily have to come by monetary or material means? That's the Mm -hmm. question, right? Mm -hmm. So is, I, I think one of the questions that, we're going to hone in on today is, is, is our material wealth really linked to our spiritual health? And, and I can look back and, and obviously we're going to reference scripture all throughout this episode, but just right off the rip, I mean, you look at the life of Paul in prison, he writes that he is content even in his need that we should find fulfillment regardless of our need. Which mm-hmm. is, so, so basically he's saying, in my mind, wealth isn't a sign of God's blessing. Contentment is. Being content yeah. in every season is. He showed us that his suffer- his sufferings did not take away from his fulfillment in life. And so, really, when we talk prosperity, we talk false teaching, we're talking, hey, there's more and more Christians all over the world that believe material prosperity is the right of all Christians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, so we're examining it this. This is something that the prosperity gospel teachers preach. And so, you know, we need to, and I'm going to give you excerpts today. I'm going to read you excerpts from one of the most, one of the most prominent prosperity uh, preachers. I'm going to read right from his book. So I have word for word from his book, because I want you to understand people who are buying these books, what are they, what are they ingesting? And, you know, you know, and, and so, I would never say, and, and neither does the Bible or any of that, say anything about riches being intrinsically in and of themselves evil. They're not, right? We we look at people like Job and Abraham and Solomon and Jacob and uh, all, all of these guys and more that were rich. I mean, they, I mean, I mean, very rich, not like, <laughs> not like, oh, they were well off. No, no, no. These guys were rich in our standards today, if they were here today, man, they'd probably be on the Forbes list, you know? And so, you know, we, we have to understand that, that, so having wealth 
is not an issue, but I think we need to take a, a biblical look at what the Bible says about wealth, money, riches, all of these things, and then compare what we hear that the Bible says today to the prosperity, health, and wealth gospel that we hear in a lot of our churches, whether it be charismatic circles, whether it be Pentecostals, whether it be non-denominational churches. And again, this is one of those things where a lot of you guys probably don't know that the basis of the teaching that you're hearing is really based on uh, prosperity gospel teaching. You, you might be like, well, I don't go to a prosperity gospel church that we don't teach this kind of stuff. Well, you know, it, 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 you know, I think it depends on how long you spend on offering. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be funny, but like some of these churches, you know, they, they spend an hour taking up the offering, right? Because they put so much emphasis on if you do this, God is going to do this. And if, you know, put your, put your address on the back of the envelope so God knows where to send the blessing and you know and 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 we're going to put us you know seed faith you know all these buzzwords that we use that sounds good but really if you look at the basis of it it is steeped in this prosperity gospel movement you know and if you know and giving really is is at the end of the day it's worship you know it's right. giving is a sign of you know, the posture of our heart and it's worship. It has nothing to do with getting. If you're giving to get, to get from God, then you need to stop giving. The Bible says that God blesses or loves a cheerful giver. So if you feel like you've been compelled to give, you're giving begrudgingly because you feel like, you know, because your pastor takes an offering and he takes it for 45 minutes, guilting you on if you don't pay tithes or if you don't do this or do that. Listen, guys, that is not what it's about. We are to give because we want to give to the Lord. And so I, I think we need to really look at what does the Bible actually say? And, and I've got this breaking, broken out in categories and, and, and there's a scripture for every single category, you know, and as I go through these, I know Kyle has some things as well. We're going to uh, kind of go through, talk about some things, but the first one here, let's look at these, these principles from the word of God. Okay. About wealth. And then we're going to read some stuff from one of these prosperity pundits. And then you tell me if you think that this lines up with the scriptures that we've read. The Bible, the Bible talks about money in many different ways. The first way we see in scripture, he talks, the Bible talks about, we should be good stewards of the money that God has given us or the things that God has given us, right? So Luke 16, nine through 11, he says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little, can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Right. And so, you know, the Bible talks about when it talks about wealth, hey, it's like, hey, you should be good stewards of it. If you've got a lot of it, then you need to be good stewards. If you have a little of it, you should 
ha- be a good steward. You know, the Bible talks about that the 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 borrower is the borrower is slave to the lender, right? And so the Bible talks about how you know, and in principle, basically what that saying is, and, and this doesn't mean that everyone's perfect and everyone's got all everything lined up correctly, and you know, are paying cash for everything and all of that. But the Bible does talk about we should be careful about our debt and not swimming in it. Right. And I understand there are times emergencies happy happen. Things come up. Cars break down. You know, you know, whatever the case may be, we have these things. But as we go through life, we should be saving for our retirement and saving for rainy days and, you know, putting away money for those type of things. But the second thing is that we shouldn't hope in it. First Timothy six and verse 17. It says, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment, right? I mean, I don't think we can get any plainer in that scripture where Paul is telling Timothy, look, command, command those who are rich in this world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. And I think when we look at the prosperity gospel teachers and a lot of the things that they talk about, God's will for you to be wealthy and healthy and all of this, guys, whether they mean it or not, it causes people to put their hope in wealth as if wealth is the answer is this wealth is the only blessing, you know, well, well, there's, you know, you need to rebuke that spirit of lack off of your life, mm-hmm. right? That you, you hear stuff like that, you know, that the, the, you've got a spirit of lack, you, you, you know, things like that. And it's like, what, what, what exactly is a spirit of lack, right? We spiritualize everything and make it sound like that for some reason, somebody has a spiritual disease because they don't make as much as the next person or they don't drive a Cadillac or they don't whatever. Maybe they're a college student and they just don't have the money right now. Maybe they're a new family just getting started and they have little kids. They have like, you know, three or four little kids that they have to get through school and buy clothes for. And, and they have to have two vehicles because, you know, they have to take them to school and to church and to work and all these things like what are we, what are we, what are we really talking about when we're saying these things? Are you going to go up to that family or that family and go, well, you just have a spirit of lack. If you would just give more, God would give you more. Mm. Mm. It is that, that, that comment. If you've heard that comment, well, that is a lack of education. It's a lack of actually having an answer. <clears throat> it's almost giving you the answer with the problem. It's like defining, like, what is the word? Apple mean well. Apple means it's Apple. Like you, it's just such an uneducated <laughs> statement. And I think you you hit it kind of on the head in the beginning of the show too. When you focus, like if you we have services that there's a five minute window to focus on tithe. There's a five minute window to focus on offering, which is biblical. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. tithe and the offering is biblical. But again, if we're giving it that much amount of time, I wonder how much we're hoping in money. We're hoping in, we make sure that we get across that we need this money when the hope is in Jesus. The hope is in God. 
the call of God is never going to be absent from the tools that God has for that call. It's just not. And mm-hmm. I wonder sometimes if we just, we have been so surface with it that we do, we say we believe in God, but we're really hoping the money comes in. We're really hoping the money is what, cause, cause we look at now the money as the driving force to making this thing happen. And we understand that money makes things happen, mm-hmm. but the provide, the provision of money, we, when we get off the fact that God is a God of provision, he's a providential God, and if his will is for this to happen, then the tools and the materials that are needed for this to happen, they're going to be brought forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so the hope in it is a dangerous place to be. Sure is. Sure is. And, you know, when we put when we put wealth up there on a pedestal as well, you know, you, this is how you know that you're succeeding in life. This is how you know you're blessed. This is how you know God's quote favor is on your life. You know, there, there's a lot of things like that, buzzwords like that, that kind of go around the church, you know, mm-hmm. well, favor you, you, you know, he's got that because he's got the favor of God. He's driving that, that Mercedes or he's driving that whatever, you know, Maserati or whatever, because the favor of God is on his life. And we've said this in a a previous episode that, you know, we have to be very careful when we start equating blessing, we equating blessings to material things. Yep. It distorts what a blessing actually is. Oh, and And, it wounds others. It wounds and it wounds others. others. Yeah. Yes. Because what? Just take for example. Okay. Say I. I don't know. Say I work really hard and I have a type of job where, say I. I don't know. Say I went to college, became a doctor. Okay. Became a surgeon. Okay. Surgeons make a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. Upwards of a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Now. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody might look at that person. They might be driving a nice car. They might have a nice home, stuff like that. And they would say, well, man, that person is so blessed. Then you have a person in another city who's faithful to God, faithful to church, just works a regular job, not a surgeon. They might work at your local Kroger. They might work at your your local hospital or, or something like that. Drive a normal car, nothing fancy, have a regular home, you know, nothing with a lot of square footage or anything like that, but faithful to God, faithful in their community, give to their church, whatever the case may be. Well, someone would look, you know, a prosperity person would look at the person that has the the, the nice car and the nice home and you go, man, I can just see the favor of God all over your life. Mm-hmm. And then they look at the other person and they wouldn't necessarily say that. Why? Because they don't see anything outwardly that shows God's, and I'm saying in air quotes, God's favor on that person's life. The issue is you're mistaken on what favor looks like. You're mistaken on what blessings look like. Blessings and favor is not equated only to things like riches and money and like Kyle said earlier, material things. That is not what it's equated to, right? And so when you start hashtag blessing everything, well, you know, like, oh, you know, spending spending some time in Maui with my husband, you know, hashtag blessing. Well, is it a blessing that you can be with your husband in Maui? Sure. But your Maui trip likely has a lot to do with the fact that your husband and you worked really hard to save the money so that you can 
get that. Now, did God bless you with the breath in your body and the ability to do that? Yes. But be, the reason why you're going to Maui is because you saved the thousands of dollars that you needed to, to go to Maui. It's your hard work that paid off, right? Other people work hard too. They just don't make as much money as you do, right? Mm. Doesn't mean they're less blessed than you are, right? Yeah, I mean, the argument collapses on itself, especially when they're like, if you give more, got to give you more. That ain't true. And there's a perfect examples <laughs> of it with pastors all over the world where there's individuals in their church that haven't given a cent of tithe, but they're six figures, seven figures. Meanwhile, the pastor's tithing 20%, and he's still struggling to get his Kroger list in order for the budget he has that week, right? So yes. that, that argument collapses on itself just by experience alone. That there's just it's not a tested proven so i cringe when i hear pastors like you want to be and there's a scripture verse you know pressed down shaken over more than you can ever ask or think of and meanwhile we're just giving them get trying to convince them to give 10 percent. and meanwhile you've got people who are experiencing that very truth that you're preaching and they haven't given a dime to the church and so the argument itself collapses pretty heavily when you can line it up to real life yeah yeah you know, the the third point here is we shouldn't love it, right? The, the Bible is very, very big on, and I don't care what any of the prosperity preachers say, you cannot convince me that the way you talk about money and you flaunt the things that you have and the stuff that you buy and what God's going to do for you to tell me that you don't love money. Now, here's 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 what First Timothy 6.10 says. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So it's the love of money. Now, going back to what I said originally about Abraham and Job and Solomon and Jacob and all these people in the Bible, they were rich. There's nothing wrong with riches in and of themselves. Right, right. The issue comes is when you love money. You should not love money. You right. should use money as a tool and you can, you can be, you know, you can have some nice things, nothing wrong with that, but, 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 but it is very important that you do not get into a love relationship with money. And, and, and truly when you look at the prosperity pundits, these guys, they, and gals, they promote money so much yeah. and make it such a positive, overwhelmingly blessing and favor and man, God's really raining down on you type of thing that it turns into a love of money, right? I don't, I don't, I've never heard, and I'm sure there is one out there. So please, I mean, you know, don't send it to me, but it, 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 it I'm sure I've never heard a prosperity preacher preach on the love of money is the root of all evil. Never ever. Right. And, and, and why would they? Because they love money, right? Because that's, that's the pinnacle of God's quote blessing. Well, and I'm glad you're bringing up the love of money. Like we, we shouldn't love it. Here's why, because, and here's where I think in prosperity, it gets a little muddled up. And, and at times you and I can even have a hard time talking about it is because Jesus never once comes against wealth. Let, let's be like, no. he doesn't, he doesn't come Wealth isn't evil. Wealth isn't bad. And, and Kevin talked about it. There were some patriarchs in the Bible that were very wealthy and God used them. 
But what we find Jesus doing is he comes against those who love wealth, who mm-hmm. esteem it as the highest regard. The Pharisees, they were lovers of money, Luke 16, 14. The money changers in the temple, Matthew 21, 12 through 13. Judas Iscariot, Matthew 26, 14 to 16. John 12, mm. 4 through 6. There's biblical evidence of where Jesus isn't verbalizing his disdain towards wealth. He's verbalizing and coming against the fact that wealth was their Lord, was their master at yes. that time. I mean, we see Jesus saying in Matthew nineteen twenty three, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, contextually, I don't think Jesus intended to make this statement about the necessary evils of material wealth as in material wealth is going to send you to hell. That's not what he's saying. No, He's no. evaluating the character of the rich. He's evaluating mm. the character of that young ruler, a man whose actions showed that he valued material status above his own spiritual well-being. So, and likewise, where me and Kevin say, hey, listen, you can't use scripture to promote wealth. We're not going to sit here and use scripture to denounce wealth either. Those of you who are making six, seven figures and you're living a wealthy life, there's no judgment to you. Do your thing. You know what I'm saying? Make that money. We want, I tell Kevin all the time, I tell my family members all the time, I want people to win in life. I want, yeah. and, and if, if for you, because of your hustle, because of your discipline at work, you're experiencing wealth, that's great. The, mm-hmm. the, the fear though, is that it become, you become a person who loves it. Now your day's wrapped around, how can I make more money? Your kids yeah. are on the back burner because you want to make more money because you're worried you're not going to make the same amount of money that your wife is constantly without, or your husband is constantly without because work has come first for you. Jesus is now talking about that's a character of where now you are out of character because you love money. That's you right. Have a fear. If you have a fear of losing that type of money, then, then you're valuing what money can bring you versus what God can, ultimately what Paul was saying, what God can use as contentment in your life. You've replaced that with the love of money. And so hear us in that, that wealth isn't evil. The love of it is, and Jesus has very clear very clear moments in scripture where he talks not about the wealth of the person, but the character of the person with wealth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's where we, I think it's very careful. And, you know, sometimes we focus, you know, some of these prosperity gospel teachers, they focus so much on getting and wealth and all of these type of things. It's you, it, character is not even mentioned. Right. Like what you do with what you have, like it's it's all, you know, you get, you know, you're a king's kid. You deserve this. You it's like what planet do you live on? There is nowhere in Scripture or the Bible promises these types of things. The Bible, Jesus himself said in this world, you will have uh, trouble. He also said to his disciples, the poor you will always have with you. So this idea that. You know, and again, I, we said this in the previous episode too. This type of gospel does not travel. God wanted it right. God wanting everyone to be rich. That's not I, like go to Africa and say that. Go to go to some places in Asia. Go, you know, go to the Philippines and 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 start saying this stuff to people. You, you it doesn't work. The only way it's the true gospel of Christ is if their gospel travels around the world and works around the world. You cannot 
You cannot get this stuff to work with people who don't have anything. Like it right. just doesn't because they right. have nothing. If it's based on you giving this and, and then God's, you know, it's just, this not a transaction like that. Right. The, 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 the you know, the, your relationship with God is not a transaction, right? Yeah. Right. It's salvation like that. <laughs> it's but again, I, it, it, you know, we mentioned this in the last episode, but it's, it's as if we're treating, we're treating God like a force that we can utilize versus a, a person we should get to know. Right. Yes. So, he again, we always say, Well, God's not a genie, he's also not a Coke dispenser. Like, you can't just yes. go up to him and say, I want B4, here's a dollar, thank you for my yeah. diet Coke. He, right? That's not how God <laughs> works. God has a will, God has emotions, God has mm-hmm. thoughts, mm-hmm. and he has a way in which he wants things to work, and he chooses to use us. He chooses to use us as his vessel. Now, we can use those moments as stumbling blocks. Or we can use those moments as a humble opportunity to be used by the God of creation. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. again, we can't... I love that you said the relationship's not a transaction relation. He's not an ATM, y'all. That's just right. not how that works. No, it's not how it works at all. Number four is money shouldn't be an idol, right? So let's look at Matthew 6, 24 and 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I would say the prosperity gospel is the epitome of trying to serve God and money. And you can't like it's you. The two are not even they're diametrically opposed because you're you cannot serve God fully submit to his will, submit to his purposes for your life and make money an idol and say that God is a means to your ends, which is getting more money. And then flip that around on his head and say, well, that's a blessing from God, right? That you're, you're, you're trying to spiritualize your greed for money. That Like that's pretty much what's what you're doing. I- I could be off. I'm going to ask you a question here. Could you almost characterize or, yeah, could you almost characterize the prosperity, the, especially the, the pastors or the evangelists who travel? Could you almost characterize it as their teaching goes as follows? I need you to serve money to help me serve God. <laughs> prioritize giving, prioritize helping me get this money so I can travel and go serve God the way I need to. Right. And in reality, they're all serving money, but it's almost like the message is the importance of money from you so that the gospel can go where he needs me to take it. Yeah. Yeah. I could be off. I mean, let's be honest. I could be off. I could be just reaching a little bit there, but the, the emphasis is so much on if you don't give this money, this isn't going to happen. Right. To, to the point of gimmicks, like hundred percent. Like if it, it like if you give this, God's gonna do this. Or if you give this, we'll send you a prophecy, we'll right? Send you a freaking handkerchief. Like, yeah, we'll send. <laughs> real, bro. Right, we're you send this money in. God said, and it's a bunch of lying. 
Like you're literally lying on God. If you send this money, we're going to send you this handkerchief that's been drip drenched in oil from Jerusalem. And we prayed over this oil. You're going to get this thing and you're going to be healed of cancer. You're going to be healed of all of these things. And guess what? Then people are not healed. And then you have to understand what happens is they're not looking after that false teacher. They're not going back to that false teacher and saying, hey, you taught me something that was false. What they do is they turn it on God and they say, God, you didn't do what you said that you were going to do. And shame on every single one of you prosperity pimps that have been saying that stuff to people and causing people to turn their back on God to to fund your $65 million planes and your 40,000 square foot mansions and your whatever you have. That, my friend, that, my friend, you will give an account to God for every single person who turned their back on Christ because you, you, you promoted a false gospel and a false Jesus because here's what's going to happen. Jesus is not going to all of a sudden turn into a genie because you you portrayed him as one on TV. So what's going to happen is that person's going to give and give and give and give. And you know what? That person might not get the healing that they that they wanted. Why? Because everything is subject to God's will. And, 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 and then what ends up happening is, like I said, that person turns their back on God <laughs> when they should be turning their back on you. Prosperity gospel preacher. Pulpit pimp. <laughs> he brought that out. <laughs> I mean, that, literally, that's what they are. I know. They're just, pimping. It's funny hearing you say it. The, <laughs> they're pimping the people. Like, they th- this is, th- it's it's sad. I don't even know what else to call you guys. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. All right. Um. Uh, Let's look at what Acts 20.35 says. And this is, we're saying that this one is, uh, the Bible saying we should be generous, right? Uh, in everything. So we're, again, we're talking about what does the Bible actually say about money? Acts 20.35, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, notice what Jesus, you know, the Lord said himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So if you're teaching people that they are to give to receive, you're turning Jesus' own message on its head so that it fits your narrative. The I don't know what else you want me to do with that. The scripture says it's more blessed to give than to receive but you're telling people if they give god has promised that he's going to do this and he's going to do that and he's going to i'll tell you right now guys i dealt with this firsthand when i had uh, a member of my church she was just a dear person of god but had a lot of issues a lot of family issues had some financial issues had some health issues different things like that and she, at some point, must have given to Peter Popoff, 
I don't know if you guys know this guy, but you look him up on YouTube. He's a, I mean, he is the epitome of a, of a pulpit pimp. Like, I mean, this him, Leroy Jenkins, David E. Taylor. I mean, these guys are the bottom feeders of this movement. There are some of them. They're more sophisticated. They're more polished. People like Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar. These guys are more polished in their delivery. Listen, the, the you know, Peter, people like Peter Popoff, and Leroy Jenkins, I think Leroy Jenkins might be dead. Maybe Peter Popoff too. I'm not sure, but those guys like that, they are the greasiest, slimiest used car salesman in church you ever met in your life, right? And at some point, either her mom or dad or or somebody had given to the ministry or something. Anyway, she got this letter, and the letter said, and she brought it to me. She's like, Pastor, I. I I'm not sure what to do with this. She went to me after, after church one Sunday, she goes, I'm not sure what to do with this. And I was just going to give it to you and, and have you look over what he said in here and let, let me know if this is something that I should do, you know? And so I, I took it, I think I took it home and I looked, I looked it over and what he had was he, he gave, he gave her this partial prophecy now, and this prophecy was all written out in this letter. And you could tell it's one of those things anybody that gave to the ministry, he gave this, he gave these letters to this was not a personal prophecy for this person. And so what he said was he had this diagram. So he had this other paper in there and he had this diagram and it's this circle. And I can't remember all the details about the circle, but what he told her was, he says, I want you to take this. And what the letter said is, I want you need to take this. You need to cut this out. And I want you to put this at the center of your dining room table under the table. Okay. And this is going to cause the blessings of God to come to your home or something that affects some weird, weird stuff. Right. And he said, if you send an extra, I forgot what it was, a hundred bucks or something like that, because what the, what he did was he put a prophecy on there and then the prophecy stopped and it was like to be continued or something like that. And then it said, if you send me more seed money, you know, that's the buzzword seed, faith, promise, you know, if you send me more seed, I will send you the rest of the prophecy. I'm. What kind of pimp does that? Like what, at what point does God stop his work? Have you ever, did you ever see that in the Bible where Jesus was like literally in the middle of healing somebody? He's got his hands on the person and he stops praying. He goes, wait a minute. Yo. And he goes, you know what, Judas, could you, could you get to bring the bag over here? And he tells that person, listen, you know what? I, I believe that you're going to get the rest of this healing, but the only way you get the rest of this healing is if you give to this money to me and my disciples, because we need to eat and we need to do whatever. Right. You know, ne- I mean, I mean, I know that sounds really weird, but essentially that's what this guy is doing. He's telling this, 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 this member of my church, he's saying, if you give me more money than you've already given me, then I've I've dangled this carrot, this prophecy carrot in front of you. Hey, listen, if you just if you just send me a little bit more money, I'll give you the rest of your carrot. Sucker. Right? Like like what? Like I, I guys, I literally I'm sitting here retelling the story and I have zero words. 
Yeah. Zero words. Well, I mean, if you go back to even <clears throat> looking at the, I guess, the ministry of Jesus, uh, he began his ministry. He quoted Isaiah 61.1. says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Right? So <laughs> you talk about being able to utilize. Look, let's think about this. When we care for the poor, we imitate Jesus. Yeah. That's what we do. So such ministry is a fulfillment of God's plan of redemption. It's a depiction of God's plan of redemption, which aims at the restoration of all things. So including proper stewardship over material resources. While there's always going to be, and I know you're going to hit on this in a minute, guys, there's there's always going to be involuntary poor, involuntary poverty before the return of the Lord. I mean, Mark mm-hmm. 14, 7 talks about that. But Laboring in order to meet the needs of the poor is a duty of members of the body of Christ. And so stewarding our material wealth well imitates Jesus, imitates Mm -hmm. the ministry of Jesus and the whole purpose of why he came. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agree 100%, man. So I I, I don't know. I, I guess I would hesitate to follow somebody who's leeching and and. I guess is the best way. If, if your leader seems more like a leech, then he's a leech. Let's just, or she's a leech. Let's, let's just be call it what it is. Christ constantly <laughs> gave time, effort, told the disciples to leave their material wealth in order to serve the kingdom. He didn't. Yeah. If anything, it was the opposite of what we're seeing. A lot of, I need this money to buy this jet so that I can do ministry. Well, Jesus' message was, leave your fishing boats, leave your nets, leave your family, come follow me to fish for men, right? Yeah. And so I'm, yeah. in, in my mind, that's the exact, in, in the most basic argument, that is the exact opposite of what we saw the Son of God doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and don't, I mean, you know, please don't insult my intelligence by telling me that you need a $65 million jet to go and share the gospel, you can you can go on a bus you can go on i mean i think i think about multi-million dollar or millionaire singers and musicians who literally go from city to city on a tour bus yep don't tell me that you have to have a 65 million dollar plane to go and spread the gospel around the world don't tell me that. Now I understand they're not driving to China and their bus. Yes, they have to go to, you know, on a plane and, and different things like that. But you, you don't need a $65 million plane to do that, right? You, 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 you know, so stop, miss me with that. Just, yeah. just miss me with that completely. Not everyone, uh, number six we have down here is not everyone will have a lot of it. Right. So still talking about money. Matthew 26, 11, We alluded to this scripture before the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Hmm. Interesting how God put himself before money, because that's kind of mm-hmm. what it should be. Right. Mm-hmm. You won't always have me. So you better covet this. Right. Instead of in, in, instead of uh, being so focused on. On, on, on money. And you've got some time to handle the poor. We'll 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 you know, he's like. We'll handle that. You're going to always have them, right? But you won't have, you won't always have me. The seventh point we want to make here is contentment is the goal, not gaining more money. And, and Kyle alluded to this earlier is that contentment 
is the goal. And I think when we make money the goal and not contentment, we can't grow. Like we're right. supposed to be growing. Right. And you're not going to mature in Christ if you're if if you're having a spiritual temper tantrum because you didn't get the house you wanted or the car you wanted or your whatever. Paul said, "In all things, I have learned to be content." In right? All things. Yep. In all things. Awesome. Right? I love I love messages that stretch across one topic. You mm. know, typically the Bible, you cross-reference and things like that. Typically, if it's a principle, a characteristic, it's going to stretch across one topic. So contentment. We don't even have to sit on money for that one. I mean, let's let's be honest. You're content. <laughs> I'm going to use myself as an example. I'm bald now, right? So learning to be content with how my body changes, you know, like there's a difference in lazy and, and just, hey, listen, this is a natural progression. Learning to be content in my job, learning to be content as, you know, being a father of three girls and not having a boy. And, you know, like we can go across the board on contentment and understanding that Real fulfillment is being content and knowing that you are ple- you are inside of God's will. Like that is that is money, that is physical attraction, that is your job, that is who you are in your family as a father, as a mother. I mean, it can go across the board and just saying, "Hey, listen, though it is not the way I would have planned it, I have found myself to be content and fully fulfilled because I'm inside of God's will for my life." Yes. So I love yes. the, I love this point. Yes. And we're going to back it up with scripture, Philippians 4, 10 through 13. Paul said, he says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at least you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, think about it. Paul was an apostle. Paul was over multiple churches, Right. He had all of these people that he was training and mentoring and 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 helping to know how to teach. You know, he had Timothy, all of these people. Right Mm -hmm. now, if he was he what he could have said and what our modern apostles and all these people say, and I say apostles in air quotes, but our modern people, they'd say, listen, I've got all these churches. I got all these people. How do you think I'm going to get around? I need to have the best, you know, Paul, I need to have the best chariot, right? I need to have the best of everything, right? He was in the same position that some of you who are pastoring multi-campus churches are in right now. You didn't hear Paul saying that he needed any special kind of perfect transportation. He needs a brand new this or that. No, he said, listen, I've had a lot. I've had a little, I've just learned the secret to be content. He goes, and you know what? I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me, not demanding and decreeing and declaring what he should have. And he's a King's kid. And God met me on the road to Damascus and he shone his light on me. And man, now ever since he's done that, I've had the favor on my life. And I've had, dude, if we, one of the modern apostles today, 
and I and, and again in air quotes apostles, if they had an encounter with God and they, they a light shone on them and all of this kind of stuff. Listen, there would be whole books written about it and they would be telling you how you should have that same encounter with God. And if you give them $400, they're going to send you that book and they're going to send you a prayer cloth telling you how that encounter is going to change your life. That's not, that's not what the gospel is, right? That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is that we learn that we are content with what God has blessed us with. What, at whatever level we are, right? Where you're a thousandaire, a hundred thousandaire, <laughs> a millionaire. <laughs> this is the first what? time I've ever heard that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, you know, some of us may never make a million dollars in our entire life. And that's cumulative. Right. It it just may never happen. And that's okay. That's okay. Right. Number eight point we want to make here is we should have an eternal perspective about money, an Mm -hmm. eternal perspective about money. Matthew six, verse 19 through 21, it says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths or vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just, I mean, look, I, literally the Bible is just like, listen, don't, don't store up treasures for here. Like you can't right. take it with you, <laughs> right? right? Not one person that was rich here if they were unsaved, was rich in hell. Not one person that was rich here and was saved took their riches with them. If they're rich in heaven, it's because God is, not because they came with their money, because I don't think the American dollar spends in heaven. It gets devalued to zero, right? (laughs) It just does. The almighty dollar that we spend so much time trying to attain. In seconds, your life can be snuffed out. It means absolutely nothing. And so that's why the Bible says, look, don't store up stuff for down here. You know, right? right? Just and, and listen, guys, before you say, you say, well, Kevin, does that mean that I don't save money? Right. Because there's there's weirdos that that say that. Well, my treasure's in heaven. I don't have to put it in my 401k. I don't have to do. No, that's just not being a good steward of your money. Again, it's you take the whole of Scripture. Right. All of these scriptures take every point that we're talking about today and and you exegete these scriptures and you look at the full context and you go, hey, I need to be a good steward of of my money, but I also don't need to love my money. And I also don't need to hope in my money. And then I also don't need to look at my money as the end all be all, because truly at the end of the day, my treasure is in heaven. Hmm. Right. Mm hmm. And the last point, before I get into some, I want to give you some examples of this right from the Prosperity Gospel Preachers. Nine, giving is worship. 
We are never to give to get. Like that's <laughs> that's not the point of giving, right? Giving is, you know, <laughs> if the one of the things I wrote down here, if the posture of our heart is to give because we are expecting something in return, we're using God as a means to our ends. And, and, and this is literally what the televangelists, they, they tell us, right? And it's the very incentive for us to give. The, literally, the reason why they tell us to give is because God, God said he's going to bless us. God said he's going to give this and he's going to give that. Literally, that's your incentive to give to these televangelists because that's exactly what they tell you. Even though we just read earlier that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. I want you guys to hear something. And, you know, I think it's really important for you guys to hear these type of things because you need to hear from some of these prosperity people yourself. All right. This is Jesse Duplantis. If you don't know who he is, he is he's a prosperity gospel preacher on wheels. He is one of the main, one of the main guys, one of the richest, you know, he's one of the very wealthy ones. And it's a shame. Some of the things that he's, he's, he's just, he's just boasting about his house and his, and all these things that he has to, to his people. Right. All right. I want you to listen to this. I live in the biggest house in the state of Louisiana. I have the biggest house of any preacher in America. I don't mean that arrogantly or pridefully. I have a name in my house, La Maison de Reve. My house has that same staircase that Scarlett O'Hara walked up. Oh, I paid cash for the home. Well, you want to know how big it is? It's 40,000 square foot. So in what context is that part of your sermon? Like I, and he's, I'm, he's in his church. It's either his church or Kenneth Copeland's church that he's preaching at, or, you know, preaching in. And he's just boasting, boasting. Look at all the things that I have. Look at what I've been able to accomplish. Look at what. In what context ever in scripture do you see that other than when people like Belteshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar and all of these other people who who did this in the Bible and literally God punished them <laughs> for being boastful. Right. Paul said he that he he wanted to boast all the more in his weaknesses. Mm. Not what he has, not his intelligence, not his, the things that he was able to collect in life. I guess it it, it doesn't even matter. Like you could say, well, you just cherry picked a couple seconds of his, but I guess the, like, in what way does the details of his house benefit anybody? Like if anything that brings on a spirit of competition, it brings on just a natural like what was me i don't have that i i guess it just doesn't suit he sounds like a dirty lawmaker i know i told you that before but he does he sounds like like a dirty just <laughs> texas lawmaker who knows he's filthy 
and doesn't care. And he knows he's not going to get in trouble for saying what he's saying. So then he's even more arrogant about it. Kind of sucks. I have to, I have, I wasn't going to do this. I'm going to play you. I don't know how much of it I'll play, but this, this video, it's on YouTube. You can find it. It, it, it currently has 10 million views. And this is the king, one of the kings of the prosperity gospel movement, Kenneth Copeland, this guy. And if you ever get a chance to actually watch this, just look at him. Just, it, it's scary. Like, it literally is scary. Um, I want you to, and, and again, I'm not here. Listen, guys, I'm not here to attack a person. I'm really not. But the problem is, it's people that's preaching it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's people. It's not like it's some robot somewhere. It, like, these are actual living, breathing people who are preaching this. So, unfortunately, because they're the ones espousing it, their names get mentioned. Okay? But I want you to hear this. I'm going to cue this up here because I was not prepared. I was not going to do this. But this was now don't get me wrong. Let me let me say this. Inside Edition did this and Inside Edition. Don't think for one second they're not trying to make the church as a whole look bad. Right. Right. That's not. So please understand that we understand that this was a hit piece on the church, not Kenneth Copeland. Okay, my my desire is for you to understand where Kenneth Copeland stands when it comes to the prosperity gospel and 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 how prolific this guy is and 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 how how just just boastful this guy is and the way he talks about other Christians as demons right the reason why that he can't go on economy flights and the regular flights like everyone else is because he doesn't want to be around those demons on the plane How'd you like that to be your senior pastor calling you a demon because you're not, you know, and, and, and non-Christians is really talking about non-Christians. Well, I can't be around those demons. I'm trying to prepare for my message and those demons are on the plane. All right. So understand this in context when we, when I uh, play this now, listen, listen to some of this. We just like to ask you about why you don't want to fly commercial Why have you said that you won't fly commercial? You said that it's like getting into a tube with a bunch of demons. Why do you think that? Listen to me just a second. Not the people. The main reason is because of the need. If if I flew commercial, I'd have to stop 65% of what I'm doing. That's really the main isn't it true that you want to fly commercial so that you can fly in luxury? How much money did you pay for Tyler Perry's Gulfstream jet, for example? Well, for example, that's really none of your business, but... Isn't it the business of your donors? Listen, I paid. <laughs> you kind of caught me off guard here, okay. Of course you did. Well, if you'd like to come out here, I'd like to give you a chance to to catch your breath and and have a conversation we don't want to we don't want to catch you off guard i love inside edition you got to get this now hey you listen to me my my wife thinks inside edition is oh yeah <laughs> now thank you lord help me just let me let me pray this thing. well let me let me just ask you a really simple question a lot of people think it's unbecoming for a preacher to live a life of luxury and to fly around in private jets what's your response to that 
Very simple. It takes a lot of money to do what we do. We have brought over a hundred. Let's see. This the latest figures just came out. Uh, 122 million people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you another example. Last May, I was scheduled for Lagos, Nigeria. That's a long ways. I had a week off, and I was scheduled for Peru. And I prayed about it, and I thought... I'm not missing that dedication in Jerusalem without the airplane that we have that I bought from Tyler Perry. And I didn't pay anywhere. Tyler's one of the greatest guys. He made it. He made that airplane so cheap for me. I couldn't help but buy it. Well, my question then. Well, well, okay. All right. But I want to get to the demons because people are very concerned about that comment. Give me a chance here inside edition. Okay. I love your eyes. And uh, here's what happened. We flew in 21 days, 70 hours, 40,000 miles, touched five continents, and preached face-to-face personally with 125,000 people. Do you ever... Do you ever use your private jets to go visit your vacation homes, for example? Yes, I do. Okay. Again, getting back to the comment, you said that you don't like to fly commercial because you don't want to get into a tube with a bunch of demons. Do you really believe that human beings are demons? No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. We wrestle not with flesh and blood but principalities and powers. Can you explain what you meant by that, that, by that term then? Just, just explain, because it's really simple. You said you didn't want to get into a tube with a bunch of demons. What did you mean? The, well, let me ask you. Do you think that let people that fly commercial are demons? You give me a chance to talk, sweetheart. I'll explain this to you. But it's a biblical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It doesn't have anything to do with people. People, I love people. Jesus loves people. But people get pushed in alcohol. Do you think that's a good place for a preacher to be and prepare to go preach to a lot of people when somebody in there is dragging some woman down an aisle? It made me so mad to see that on television. I wanted to punch the guy out myself. I can't be doing that while I'm getting... Can I say something? Right. Just pause this for a second. (laughs) There's so much to say here, guys. And for people who understand the word and what the word is, it's just laughable, right? It's completely laughable. He's basically saying he can't fly on regular airplanes because he needs to prepare for a message. Okay, well, let's think about Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he spent most of that time in prison. You mean to tell me that as a pastor, you can't fly a regular commercial plane and study for your sermon, put your AirPods in, put on some white noise in your ears or, you know, some some classical guitar and study for your sermon because there's too many demons on the plane. But so you so you could justify buying Tyler Perry's jet. Mm. 
But yet Paul could write two thirds of the New Testament and a lot of it from prison and their prisons weren't like the prisons of today where you've got TVs and air conditioning and three hots in a cot. No, they, they had rats running. These were caves. <laughs> These were dank places, right? Don't miss me with that. All right. Sorry, but back to your guy, Kenneth Copeland. So you just don't like to be around the sinful people or the, the hurtful people. Is that what you're saying? Not the people, baby. Not the people. Back during the days that we couldn't do anything else, we had to travel commercial. I've when I went to Oral Roberts University, I flew for Oral Roberts. I'm a commercial pilot. So I spent a lot of time in Arab. And you have how many planes? We have the Gulf Stream. And we still have our citation team. And then we have a little small airplane. But both those are the two ones that we use. And we use them all the time. And other people use them, too. We have other ministries that, that use these. In the book of Ephesians. Oh, God, I love we wrestle not with people, but with principalities and powers, unseen things, rulers of the darkness of this world. Talking about the devil, he's a very real devil, just the same as Jesus is a very real Lord. And, and I spent a lot of time on airlines. But the main thing that happened was not, that wasn't the main reason. The main reason was I could no longer do what I called to do and be on the airlines. Besides that, I need my clothes when I get there. And, so, and you have some fancy clothes. I, I mean, do. for a pastor, you are living yes. a life of luxury. Yes, you've got great homes. You've got yes, great planes. Do. You do you drive in limos. I'm a and very wealthy man. You're a very wealthy man. Yes. Yeah. And some and people I'm would not, say I'm that is it is it appreciate? May, may I add something to that? I, I, my wealth doesn't come from offerings alone. Because you sell things, books and DVDs. Yes. And I have a lot of natural gas on our property. Didn't know that, did you, babe? Now I do. Yeah, you do. Isn't that wonderful? Well, I guess. It's wonderful for you. Back when, and I might add another thing, too. We invest from, uh, let's see, I don't know the exact number on last year yet. But it will run something in the neighborhood of 20, 25 million in the poor. Can't do that and be broke. So final question is, a lot of people maybe have a misunderstanding then about what you do in prosperity preaching. So the final question is this. To those critics that say that a preacher should not be living a life of luxury, what is your response to that? They're wrong. That's it? That it's a misunderstanding of the Bible that if you, if you go into the Old Covenant, 
Do you think the Jewish people believe you should be broke? Be on alert if you don't own a gas. <laughs> so, I, look, guys, I, I we could go on and on and on, but I, I think you can see. I mean, he took you know upwards of however long that was just to answer a simple question about why he has a jet right and don't get me wrong inside edition they're they're not there for the reasons that Kyle and I are here today but i wanted you to hear this long drawn out unbiblical awkward conversation that inside edition had with this prosperity pundit i mean he kenneth uh, copeland is one of the largest he's he's one of the big ones right and he has no idea he's twisting scripture left and right and he keeps talking about we wrestle and not against flesh and blood okay well that doesn't mean that you can't go on a plane with people that are not saved just stop you know better than that you know you should know better than that you've been living on this earth longer way longer than i have you have been in the bible way longer than i have you have more schooling than i have you have everything at your disposal but yet you're twisting scripture at this point you're twisting scripture because you want to twist scripture not because you you just are because you don't understand right i'm not buying it i am not buying it and neither should you in our last few minutes, I want to read you, I want to talk about Creflo Dollar. Creflo Dollar, and I took this, he's an award-winning, he has an award-winning broadcast on television, Changing Your World. It reaches nearly 1 billion homes around the world. I took this right out of, off of, I believe it was his website, right? He wrote a book, and the title of this book is called you're supposed to be wealthy. Mm. Look it up. Look it up. You're supposed to be wealthy. Yikes. Now, just from the title alone, it contradicts the scripture that we read in Matthew 26 and 11. It says the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. So if all of us are supposed to be wealthy, well, then where's the poor? Yikes. Okay. So <laughs> this is some excerpts from his book, right from his book. Get his book. If you got his book, you are supposed to be wealthy. You, you will. This is what you'll read. First, it is God's will for Christians to prosper financially. God's will for Christians to prosper financially. With that being said, it is important to understand the difference between being rich and being wealthy. See, this is where people, they love it. Because, like, oh, look, he's got some knowledge. He's, gonna, he's about to drop some knowledge on me. No, he's about to drop some stupidity on you. Mm -hmm. When a person is rich, it simply means he or she has a lot of money at the moment. To be wealthy is something different. Wealth starts with a mindset. Mm. So let's go all the way back to the first episode when we talk about when we talked about E.W. Kenyon and we talked about new thought metaphysics. Right. And, and we and we talked about Phineas Quimby. Right. So think about that when you're when he's talking about mindsets. Wealth starts with the mindset, even though someone may have a lot of money in his or her bank account, that person can still have a poverty mindset rather than a wealthy mindset. 
I'd rather have the mind of Christ, but okay. A poverty mindset will always lead to the dwindling of finances rather than increase. <laughs> oh, meaning that the person with money will eventually end up at square one with little to nothing. Similarly, when a person has a wealthy mindset, it is only a matter of time before his or her bank account goes from 10 to 10 million. This is because wealth begins with the way we think. So think, think about that. Like as you're listening to that, think about somebody in Africa reading that in the slums of Africa, right? Let me read that again. Similarly, when a person has a wealthy mindset, it is only a matter of time before his or her bank account goes from 10 to 10 million. You person in Africa who's poor and, and barely can find any anything. Okay. This is because wealth begins with the way we think, regardless of what we have in our possession. Christians are called to be wealthy. Again, this is from the book, directly taken from the book, You're Supposed to Be Wealthy by Creflo Dollar. Just as our Heavenly Father is wealthy, Christians are called to be wealthy just as our Heavenly Father is wealthy. However, achieving the will of God concerning our finances is going to require tangible and intangible strategies to get us to that ultimate destination of wealth and riches. One of our biggest hindrances to achieving true and lasting wealth is a person's mindset, which is why renewing the mind is so vital to this process. When the Bible was said, renew your mind, the Bible was not talking about renewing your mind for wealth. I I literally can't. Most of us have been raised with ideas about money that did not line up with the word. Yee. What was, what were those? What were those Creflo? Tell me, please. Cause thus giving us an in, complete or inaccurate picture of prosperity. Some of us were raised with the idea that having a lot of money is ungodly. Well, that's kind of true because some people did teach that wrongly. That if you just because you have a lot of money, that meant it's ungodly. That's not true. Right. Or that wealth will never be a reality. Others are dealing with poverty mindsets that have been passed down from generation to generation. The truth is, if you are going to walk in the level of prosperity that's available to you through God's word, mm-hmm. <laughs> which includes wealth, you're going to have to give, get serious about renewing your mind. Kyle, can you get the scripture the, where the where, where the Bible talks about renewing your mind? Yeah. Because I, I want to read that in context. Okay. Failing to do so means allowing your old ideas and old ways of thinking to continue to block what God is trying to get you to realize concerning your financial prosperity. When your mind has not been renewed, you're, you tend to function with a lack mentality Oh boy. While God is trying to show you something better. 
So the people in Africa and the Philippines and different places, poor places around the Zimbabwe, some place, these poor places, Haiti, poor places all around the world. Is that what it is, Creflo? Is it is it that they have a a they 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 have a lack mentality, and God is trying to show them something better? Hmm. hmm. God never created us to think and behave behave as if we are not worthy of the best life, of the best that life has to offer. He wants us to think and behave like the king's kids we are. See, but he's equating King's kids with having a bunch of money. So I guess if you don't have a, a, a bunch of money or you don't you don't think you should have a bunch of money, then then you don't understand that you're a King's kid. Mm. Yeah. We are surrounded by deception on every side about the issue of finances and the role it plays in the Christian's life. But I'm here to tell you you or I'm here to tell you not to receive it. To be successful in the financial arena, you have to get into the presence of the word. Read, study, and meditate on it and act on the direction of the Holy Spirit. So let me let me get this straight. He said, to be successful in the financial arena, I need to get into the presence of the word, read it, study it, and meditate on it. Hmm. So those of you who are poor right now, or, you know, in 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 you know, in American standards, all right, let's talk to the Americans for a second, that you are either at or below the poverty level, I guess it's because you're not reading the word and you're not studying, you're not meditating on it and you're not acting on the direction from the Holy Spirit because if you would do that, then you would be rich. What a, what a, what a fraud. What a fraud this guy is. The first thing God did after creating mankind, I'm almost done here with this, but I wanted to read you literally right from the book. The first thing God did after creating mankind was bless them. The blessing is an empowerment for success. I don't remember when God created Adam and Eve that right after that, he gave them money, but okay. Well, but he gave them the whole earth. And okay. The blessing is an empowerment for success. We have been spiritually equipped with a supernatural empowerment that enables us to get results in every area of our lives, including the financial arena. The second thing God did was give us dominion or authority over the earth. Be careful with that word dominion because they use that really, really, really in a, in a, in a bad way which includes its resources. We have dominion over anything that can be produced in the earth, including money. Do they over in Africa? Do they? There is no reason for us to be living. Oh, I'm so sorry for you people. I'm so sorry for your people that live in third world countries right now that are listening to this and you think for some reason that this is true. There is no reason, he says, for us to be living in poverty and lack when we have the authority over the material realm. So you're going to go up to your local homeless person you're going to go up to your, your, your person who's your single mom who's working three jobs, just trying to make ends meet because her, 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 her sorry for a dad, you know, boyfriend 
or on again, off again boyfriend and 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 dad to the kids. And I say dad in air quotes because if you're not taking your kids, you're not taking care of your kids. You're not a father. You mean to tell me that the reason that we are living in poverty and lack is is because we don't understand the authority that we have over the material realm. You make me sick. God gave us seed. Finally, he says, God gave us seed, which is the catalyst for increase. What are you talking about? Did you find that scripture, Kyle? Yep. Yeah, it's Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the, here we go with this word again, will of God, what is yeah. good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, everything about this scripture is all spiritual. God again, is not... It's trying to equate spiritual health to material wealth. The The Bible's never promoted that. Yeah. It's, it's actually promoting the will of God and yeah. discerning the will of God, not discerning where you should be financially, but where you should be in contentment-wise is inside the will of God, whatever that may look like. And then it doesn't even, it doesn't limit it to material Wealth, it doesn't limit it to financial wealth. It doesn't, it's across the, the entire spectrum of life that you may discern the will of God. Yes. I would, I would argue that the renewal of your mind, not being transformed by this world would mean, if you want to talk financially, then it would mean that you're no longer hoping in money. You're no longer idolizing yes. money. You're no longer, yes. but instead you are putting first the will of God in your life and maybe maybe you have wealth maybe and it's not because all of a sudden god's will is that you're well hey again wealthy is not sin it's not sin okay but idolizing it is and so the renewal of the mind is refocusing the purpose of yourself and refocusing your the fact that the most important thing to you is that you were inside the will of god yeah 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 so true <clears throat> so true man and and guys i Again, I know we get a little fired up sometimes about some of these things, but these are people that people are trusting around the world to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. They trust and they believe in these people because they, they have the name pastor or reverend or apostle or bishop or whatever they have, right? They have these titles. They've been to college, Unfortunately, some have been in or Roberts University and some of these prosperity gospel colleges, but, you know, and they haven't really actually been to real college where they understand, you know, and even those that haven't, I'm not saying, you know, you have to go to college to understand the Bible. What I'm saying is you at least need to be a student of the word of God to understand how to study scripture, right? So you don't butcher and, 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 you know, and do, you know, theological handstands like these guys are to prove their point. But you, you guys trust them to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they're this blatantly dishonest and this off from actual scripture and they've repackaged all of these things, these new thought metaphysics and all this stuff 
into being Christianity and people are gobbling it up by the millions Right. The, the only way these guys can be on. Do you know how much it costs to be on places like TBN and God TV and Daystar and all? It is millions of dollars. Somebody's paying for that. And it's all the people who are following this stuff and believing this stuff. And it's not even the real gospel. It's not even the Jesus that they're projecting is not even that's not that Jesus doesn't exist. So excuse me if in, in, in just give me a little space if I'm angry at this because I'm angry at this because you fellow Christian fellow brother or sister in Christ you don't deserve that the, the, this is not that you deserve better coming from the church. Right. And I want you to know that we're going to do everything that we can on this podcast. Doesn't mean that there's plenty of other podcasts and preachers that are doing some very awesome things around the world. So I am not saying we're the only one far from the only ones that are being faithful to scripture. There's tons that are being faithful to scripture. And some of those were ones that I could research doing this show, right? Because they've done some research themselves and the Bible scholars and different ones. You guys are awesome. Thank you for what you're doing around the world. Because we've got to combat this stuff. And the way that you can help us do that is you share these episodes. You tell your friends and your family, those that you know that are steeped in this, please help them to understand the right way and the way that, that God takes some of these scriptures, right? And, and, and read them to uh, your family members, friends, neighbors, all of that. We love you guys. 248-301-2010. If you want to leave us a voicemail or you want to text that line 24 hours a day, seven days a week, leave your suggestions, leave your thoughts about these episodes, comments, any of that. Don't forget to rate and review us on whatever you listen to us on, especially if you're an Apple, just hit that five stars. And we really appreciate you guys. As we go through this series, we got more to come. Thank you so, so very much for your prayers. We need them. We covet your prayers as we go through this. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next time.